Salud. Salud. So this is uh, music from local region? Yeah, especially from uh, this area, like uh, Nahuatl, you know? Supposedly, it, it could be, that's the interpretation, you know? It could be from a, a, like a lot of different places. Yeah, from different places and different instruments, but it's just like a sort of an interpretation of, uh, of the music before Spanish, you know? Mm -hmm. Is that pre-Hispanic? Um, yeah, pre-Hispanic, that's, yeah, that's what we call it, yeah. It's very nice. It is calm and... Very relaxed. Very relaxed, yeah. Different drums, different uh, drums that we probably might um, conserve, but um, some of them just um, disappear, like they're a bunch of different... Yeah, drums. when I was at the, mu the Museum of Anthropology, there was... Um, a bunch of different like instruments that were made out of animal bones, sure. out of um, like like beautiful timber, um, like hollow wood and that sort of thing. Which the drums that have got that real sort of pop, you know, that kind of it's almost like the snare. Yeah, and they sound great and they're ornately carved and just beautiful. They are, man. And even the like the sounds could be like very different, you know. Yeah, like these sounds now. More yeah, animal sounds. Animal, like even some words. But um, yeah, I wonder how it was in that moment. Mm. It actually, this kind of music like takes you back, you know. You mm. pay attention to it, it's like, oh. Gives you a sense of, of it, it what, what sense. people were listening to 500, 1,000 years ago. Like I'm you said, a, a bone that's carved out. I mean, uh, that's a it's an ancient instrument. It's from you know. I would say also that they're they're just like um like like this music also it was really for um, ceremonies. You know? yeah. yeah, I could say like a lot of them were just for ceremonies. I just I just wonder though, like with the notion of a ceremony, we like we take we take the idea of the ceremony and we make it into like Easter and Christmas, but I feel like. You know, a thousand years ago when there's no TV and there's no, um, you know, there's, there's no other stimulus. Like, if people are sitting around the fire. Is that is this type of thing happening? Is the ceremony happening every night? You know, the appreciation for, for the food, the acknowledgement of um, certain things, you know. I, you know, if you're, in, if you're in the tribe, is it likely that that type of thing was happening very frequently, you know? Sure. Mm. Yeah. So the ceremony was, was every night, you know? Probably, yeah. Mm. Probably, yeah. Of, of course, there were, like, uh, holidays as well, but um, especially uh, with the... They're related with the, some, um, you know, like the change of the seasons. Yeah, yeah. Especially, but, uh, yeah, like, elements, and it's it's interesting because most of the Hispanic cultures, like, um, they share the same... Uh, same uh, same, well, I wouldn't, I would say like same gods as well. Mm -hmm. They're not gods, they might be just representation of the elements. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah. So, the, you know, the god of the sun, the, the god of sure. the water. So think of uh, same gods before, um, like now, like people, uh, like when I went to the, when I went to a primary school, for example, in my books, they used to set the Hispanic, um, the Hispanic cultures, they used to um, 
have a lot of guts, mm. you know. Mm -hmm. But um, so they were like um, they have poly guts. So you know they have a gut for the water, a gut for the fire, a gut for for the wind. So, yeah, but actually, it's not. It wasn't like that. The thing that uh, that was the interpretation of the of the church. So that, according to the Bible, there's only one God, which is uh, which is uh, Yahweh or Jehovah, however you want to call it, you know the the, the Father of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So that's that was that was one reason to make the war, you know, to conquer through the religion. Mm -hmm. But actually, in the native, especially in the native, I'm talking about. Um, Mexica culture, mm -hmm. it wasn't like that. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, there was like only one guy. Mm -hmm. he, his name was Ometeotl. Ometeotl represent the, the two, the men and the women. Somehow, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. good or the bad, it's just like the... It was everything. It was everything. So it was, it was almost like the universe. However... It's the, like they were talking about exactly. life itself and then breaking it down into fundamental sort of aspects. Exactly. To, so. to like ritualize and acknowledge the weather... The, mm -hmm. the changing of the seasons, the all of the all of those things. However, um, for example, talking about Mexica culture, they they have these representations of the elements, like water, the water of God, but he's not the is not a god. It's just a represent, representation. Was Tlaloc, for example, or Ecatl was the representation for the for the wind. And if you go to a further cultures, talking about Mexico, like for example, Wirradica, which is uh, what they call uh, badly wichol, the representation of the fire is Tatewari, uh, and the representation of the water is called uh, it's called uh, Anamara, mm -hmm. you know. So uh, Magian, for example, called the uh, the god or the representation of the water uh, Chak, you know. So they, it's the same structure could be somehow. But, uh, so there, it's there sort of almost not. talking about the universe. There is the universe, but then there's the representations, the sure. breakdowns of the universe, to, and then things that they uh, ritualized or had ceremonies or paid paid tribute to and acknowledged. Somehow, yeah. Mm. The thing is that um, when the Spanish came, well, what they they were conquering through the religion. So, so, so the Spanish so, came in the 1520s. Like yeah, the first. It was uh, 15. Uh, 19. Yep. Yeah. It was the first. Was when the first, first arrived, and, and they arrived in the Cortes. Gulf, the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, Veracruz. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They, and they came looking for gold. They came looking for. Gold. And they found it because there was shit tons of it. Sure. Well, actually, they got before to Cuba, but then Cortes uh, came to, to through Veracruz, and eventually he got to Tenochtitlan around um, yeah, more or less mm -hmm. 15, 19. Yeah, and that's a fascinating story in itself. Um, and yeah, we'll touch back on that. But um, so I just want to welcome you to the to Local Heroes podcast, uh, Dr. Abraham Flores, uh, an ethiologist, but also uh, enthusiast of the plant medicines as well, and the, the the native cultures and the and the history of this amazing land. Um, so yeah, welcome to the podcast, Abraham. Thank you, Ben. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, man. Yeah. A pleasure to share. Well, as soon as we started talking, I thought straight away. I mean, as soon as we started having a chat, it, I thought we've got to we've got to get this on record because you have a lot of um, interesting information that needs to be shared with with my friends in the Western world. So I guess yeah, I'll, sure. I'll I'll have a quick chat about how we cross paths, actually. So you're actually dating my wife's cousin. So I guess yeah. I could almost say you're my cousin-in-law. Well, maybe one day, hopefully. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, so my wife Lily and 
your partner Paula are cousins and, and that's how we met. So I guess how we actually spent some time together is in the last sort of week or two. And um, yeah, I got forcibly removed from the USA. I, I came down to Mexico City for a meaningful exit, made my, my way back to the USA. It was last Monday, I think. My last, yeah. It was last Monday, yeah. So I've been here for a week. So yeah, I ended up um, having a run-in with the immigration officer and he was sort of saying that a few things that I didn't agree with and I guess things got a little heated and he decided to kick me out of the, the country and send me back to Mexico. So I ended up spending that night, Monday night, in the Las Vegas police station, which was which was quite interesting. I was handcuffed to a chair for most of that night, actually until 7 o'clock in the morning and it was actually quite funny. At the start, there was a crazy lady that was in a in a cell off to my left and every time I'd sort of was there handcuffed to the chair and you know it, it shit was getting weird there's a lot of weird shit happening and I'd look over at this chick and she was pulling faces and for the first couple of hours I thought it was fantastic I, I was just cracking up you know by seven o'clock in the morning I was pretty well over it I was like ready to see my family I felt really bad about that so I spent the night in, in the lockup in Las Vegas and then I um, got sent back to, to Mexico, I actually got escorted to the plane in handcuffs with two immigration officers to the plane and sent back. So I was pretty bummed out and like Lily was in hysterics and I was super worried. So I sent you a message and said, you know, dude, can you help me out? So Tuesday evening, you met me at the airport. You, you made the effort to come and meet me at the airport and you'd just done a 36 hour shift at work. Yeah, that was, was hard. Yeah. yeah. So I was just, I was super blown out that you actually came to visit me at, at the airport after you'd just done a 36-hour shift at a hospital, you know, doing your profession as a, an ethiologist. So you welcomed me and you made me feel straight away. I was like, wow, you know, <laughs> I was impressed by that immediately. And then um, so straight away we're on the bus heading, heading back to sort of central Mech City where you live. And uh, we started discussing plant medicine and um, sort of the benefits of plant medicine, plant-based medicines and we really started getting pretty in depth from the from the get go, yeah. and and the first thing we started chatting about was the cannabinoid system. Can you tell me a little bit about your knowledge of the of the cannabinoid system and sure. explain a few sort of dynamics of how it works in the in the human body? Yeah, um, I got to start talking about what we were talking that night about um, some uh, lately the use of cannabis. Cannabis, uh, it's been. Um, it's been more common, especially like in the Western, you know, like societies. But actually, we got to talk that um, it was used um, since a lot of time ago, like uh, even in India, even in Africa, somehow, and um, on China as well, as a medicine plant. So we got to start um, talking about like, like the, the main, like the, the plant mm -hmm. and what are the species. Um, supposedly, there are only three species, kind of, which is the cannabis. Uh, sativa, cannabis indica, and cannabis uh, ruderalis. Like it's like its name says, the cannabis indica is in India, uh, sativa is more in Africa, and and ruderalis, which is uh, like a sort of a uh, hemp. Uh, it's more in the zone of uh, East Europe, so like Croatia, like some other countries around there. So. So the main use of the, of the last cannabis, I, I said it was just for uh, textile use, especially because THC levels and CBD levels, they're just really low. So what I found interesting that me being a doctor, since uh, I went to the since I went to the the medicine school, which it was around uh, I started medicine school around ten years ago, 
I have this uh, physiology class and I have a bunch of books about physiology and they used to talk me, I took a year of physiology for example, and they used to talk me about, uh, I don't know, neurologic system, immune system, uh, what else can I say, like gastric or digestive system, um, uh, also lung system, you know, but um, for example, I never uh, had a class about cannabinoid system. I had a bunch of classes about our opioid system. I had a bunch of classes about our norepinephrine, serotonin, um, adrenaline, or epinephrine uh, classes about our system and how it works. But uh, I, I wonder, and uh, how come I didn't have a cannabinoid system class? Uh, I could say that um, even, well, before I got into university, uh, I was really interested on cannabinoids. I remember um, I used to read uh, the this uh, magazine of science, which is called Science, and I remember my first my first my first paper I read about cannabinoids. It was from this um, guy uh, named Meshulam. Meshulam, uh, I got from a, Israel. From Israel, mm -hmm. he he was I could say that he was the father of uh, of the scientific um, research about cannabis. He was the one who discovered THC in '60. And after that, on the 90s, he discovered the CBD1 and eventually CB2 receptors. So when I was uh, even in high school, I was reading this paper about him, and it was like, it was really interesting because um, because I start to understand a little bit the system. So uh, especially you if didn't you, learn it from the medical system exactly. So up until this day, in the last 10 years, have you learned about it um, from the mainstream medicine, or is it no, just from your own research? It's just from my own research. What I, what I wanted to explain is that um, I wonder how come universities are not integrating like this, this uh, knowledge that's, mm. that which is physiology. I mean, mm. there's a bunch of, uh, we're really up to the cannabinoid system. I mean, because they're fatty acids, so mm. we're full of fatty acid. So my interest is that um, how come in universities they didn't talk us? In us in, and it's not even in Mexico. I, I know people from it's the United States. I, yeah. They don't, what are you talking about cannabinoid system? Mm. You're like, yeah, you have a cannabinoid system and mm. it's really interesting. Mm. And eventually what I learned is that I'm uh, talking about the, the way it, it works. It's, it's, we, we have to, there are different, um, there are different ways. So, so eventually during this, these years of studying, um, I learned that, um, and I found in several books and also in papers that um, that the, this system is pretty old. I mean, pretty old. I could say even primitive. You know, like the uh, development when we were just um, I could say um, like Lucy. You know, like Australopithecus. Like just very early development of, of the humanoid. Of the humanoid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty old. And uh, also, um, I wouldn't like to get into like really biochemical names and, and stuff like that. But I, I just I would just like to say that um. But this system is, is formed especially uh, by some components. So uh, I'm going to mention them. The first are the receptors. And uh, the receptors, uh, classical, the classical receptors are CB1, which is mainly on the nervous system, CB2, which is mainly on the immune system. And there are some other receptors like GPR55. It's one of them. Also the vaniloid receptors, which this vanilla receptors, they could be uh, related to uh, capsaicin, which is the component of, of the chili, what makes it spicy. 
you know, they're, they're called uh, bandwidth systems, and uh, also it's the, 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 the receptors are called TPR-B1 and TPR-B8. Uh, the, the main function is to, um, to measure how cold or how hot it's uh, surround, you know, like mm -hmm. the, any stimulus. Mm -hmm. So, um, so what, what I found interesting that, that these receptors, they're, they're just cannabinoids, well, I've got to say, or cannabinoids, because we produce our cannabinoids, there are mainly two. Uh, there are, uh, they're named uh, uh, anandamide, I don't know how you say it in English exactly, yeah. and uh, the other one is the, um, the other two, well, it's 2AC, which means 2-acylglycerol. So they're the ones that we produce ourselves? Those are the ones that we produce ourselves, mm -hmm. and they just like a sort of uh, fatty acids. Mm -hmm. And what so, is their function? What is their function? That's a really cool question, man. Well, especially they have a bunch of function. They have a bunch. They have special regulation about the uh, about the immune system. For example, uh, when they uh, agon, when they have an agonist for CB CB two, especially, they could be related as well into brain or deep. You know, like um, uh, they could be related in the or sleeping system. They mm -hmm. could be related into pain. Lately, there's a bunch of information about pain and how it can regulate them. Even uh, they could regulate our emotions. They can regulate um, a lot of functions. Wow, so they have a, a, a lot of use. So they you're talking about um, cannabinoids that we produce ourselves. So what about external cannabinoids? For example, cannabis. So like we're talking about cannabis has got hundreds of, of, um, of different cannabinoids, but the two ones that I guess are the, the hype at the moment is the CBD and THC, sure. you know, and, and both having very, very different functions for, for human function. So can you tell me a little bit about uh, THC and its effect on bodily function and also sure. CBD? Uh, before uh, talking about a little bit CBD or THC, I would like to say, I forgot to say something, that are these proteins that are, are in charge to destroy the endocannabinoids we create. So they, they're called the fatty acid um, hydrolase and the other one is called MAGL, which means monosylglycerolipase. So those are the main uh, proteins that uh, are in charge to destroy. To break it down. To break it down so they, they don't be, um, so they cannot be. So they don't hang around too long. Exactly. So they, get, they do their function and then they get knocked exactly. out. Okay. So it'll be the same thing that it get rid of THC out of your system and help you break it down? Exactly. Okay. That's what they do. So awesome. I, I wanted to say that because uh, later I'm going to talk about some drugs that are being developed in innovating um, these uh, these molecules. So about CBD and THC, that's really interesting, man. Because um, uh, I would say that um, cannabis, like uh, I mean the plant, uh, it's it's known that it has around uh, 200 cannabinoids. You know, the mainly that we know it's it could be uh, they're called phytocannabinoids, and the mainly is THC and also CBD. But they are CBR. They're different. Uh, they're just different cannabinoids. So um, what it's interesting that we call it exocannabinoids because it means that um, we don't create them. Endocannabinoids we create them, and exocannabinoids they just come from uh, outside. So I would say that um, cannabis sativa, indica, ruderalis, whatever, they they have different proportions of THC. You know, like a, like a native plant usually has between. 3% of THC until the 6%. 6% is a lot, actually, for a native 
like a native plant, you know, not a modified or not a not a not a modified plant. Yeah, most or, most plants these days are modified though and have yeah, way way higher levels, almost double. Exactly. And low and lower CBD levels, which is what a lot of contemporary plants have been developed for, is is to bang for buck, get your get your high. Sure. And, and so most plants these days aren't native. I mean, it'd probably be hard pressed to find a native plant other than certain certain locations around the world. I guess India, there's probably still it's just grown wild and sure. it's a native plant. You probably, know? yeah. Mm. So what I was talking is um, the, about these levels of THC and the plants. So according in, in my point of view as a doctor, um, especially related to pain, um, uh, there are different uh, studies, and especially in the United States, uh, is that the, the medicine, or well, I wouldn't say the, well, I would say the medicine, uh, the cannabis that is used for medical, like the, for medical use in these these places where they sell the these dispensaries. Dispensaries. Yeah, that's what I meant. A very very high THC. Exactly. They're yeah. very high mm. THC, and there are some studies that, that they said. Between six percent and ten percent of the of the THC available on the plant, that's enough for pain, for example, for pain use. But most of these stores they sell uh, these uh, these marijuana, medical marijuana, that have around thirty percent. That's too much THC. Of course, it might help, but it, of course, it will be more psychoactive. I have to say that the psychoactive molecule of marijuana is THC, and CBD is not even psychoactive. CBD is pretty interesting because CBD is an endo. It's a sorry. It's a cannabinoid. It has the same structure, but it doesn't exactly bind to CB1. What it does is it has an allosteric uh, pocket. What's an allosteric pocket? Uh, I gotta explain this. Uh, a receptor have a lot of pockets for different molecules. So it has like a main pocket for its agonist molecule, which in this case, uh, we're talking about a marijuana endocannabinoid system. So we have the receptor and the pocket, uh, the pocket for that receptor, it's, it's uh, our own cannabis, which is called the endocannabinoids, and for example, is anandamine. So it has a main pocket, so they, they make, eventually the receptor is activated, is a G-protein um, uh, receptor. But it has some also like small pockets around the same receptor. So there are some drugs that can uh, bind to the receptor, but not in the main pocket, and they can change the conformation, and they can change uh, the way it works. They can stimulate it, or they can just inhibit it, the stimulus of that receptor. So CBD, it's it's uh, there are some scientific uh, reports that they said that. Um, is not actually an agonist of CB1. CBD can um, can binds binds to CB1, but not in the main pocket. It binds next to it, but it can modificate it. It can be agonist or it can be uh, antagonist. You know, so this is really interesting because mm -hmm. it's not even like a main molecule mm -hmm. that stimulates that receptor. Well, yeah, I mean, what you were saying about your the the Israeli doctor. Um, and, and a lot of um, new research that's coming out is that CBD seems to be working as a um, anti-seizure sure. um, medicine, whereas THC doesn't seem to have that same effect. No, so yeah. THC seems to be very successful for pain or they're getting results with pain treatment, whereas CBD, they seem to be getting more results with uh, like neurological disorders, potentially like autism, 
uh, with things like seizures. seizures and that sort of thing. And they're getting some really positive results with that, which is fascinating. Sure. Um, because they're, they're just two cannabinoids that they've identified that are having these Properties. kind of positive effects for 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 medicine. Sure. sure. And it's, it's fascinating that they're still not sort of promoting or teaching. And I guess it's still in the in the early phases, and I'm sure before long they're going to have to be teaching this stuff. And I, I definitely you know, believe that they're not being teached somehow because of the illegal and the political situation. War on drugs and yeah, all that bullshit. Exactly. Yeah. Which is more related to United States politics mm. and uh, world Pin, politics. The pinche gringos. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Nixon and yeah, yeah, all yeah, all the Let's not go there. Mind somehow. Yeah. But um, yeah, CBD, I would say that um, it's really interesting because um, I could say that uh, there's... Well, I'll just, I'll, yeah, I'll just talk about like my experience. I mean, I had a, a pretty severe motorbike accident quite a few years ago and I get pains in my shoulder predominantly when I'm driving and when I'm driving a long distance. And yeah, when I was driving down here to Moralia from Mexico, it was like a, I don't know, it was a very long drive, it was like a 20 hour drive, I get shoulder pain. And I actually, we actually had some CBD oil and I would rub it on, on the inflammation or the pain in my, in my neck, in my shoulder. And yeah, it would absolutely 100% eliminate the pain for about four to five hours. So it was acting as an anti-inflammatory for me and, and I was getting real joy out of it and it was working. I, I did try some other sort of products and different creams and just like placebo oils well, and none of that worked. It, it was, it was like the CBD that worked. anti-inflammatory mm. on a weight and it's, that's really interesting mm. too because I, I told you before um, the the endocannabinoids that eventually fatty acids and the in, like the inflammatory response are mediated by fatty acids, you know, especially actually, well, this is fascinating, man, because um, I can explain a little bit, but um, the thing is that um, when, when, the, um, when you get hit, for example, you're going to have a response of inflammation. Mm -hmm. So this res response of inflammation start with a fatty acid it's it's called a 2 a ag so 2 ag is uh, the stimulator to create the, the the swelling uh no 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 well it's just or is it the thing that helps to reduce the swelling no i'm, I'm talking about the, the initial impact exactly so it'll, yeah it'll kind of it'll be the it's like the communication it'll it'll get there and start creating that uh function yeah, mm. uh, well, this is the main molecule that, that we're talking this fatty acid that eventually will become into some other substance that will create the inflammation. Oh, wow. So I got to say that this molecule, which is a fatty acid, share the same structure of endocannabinoids. Okay. Because they're as well fatty acids. So. so what you were saying about CBD, for example, is it can bind, maybe bind to that and then help reduce the inflammation. So it can actually maybe change the, the molecular process of, of that. Uh, molecule potentially could be. Um, yeah. I don't know exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. the molecular, mm, mm. Um, like the fun the function, yeah, how yeah. it works exactly. Mm, mm. But definitely there's, there's a possibility. A, there's yeah. a relation mm. that they share the same structure. Okay. But um, what, like I was talking about CBD, especially that you just said before about um, colvon, um, com, um, seizures, for example. There are two studies that they're really high impact on a paper, which is really uh, it's called a impact factor, a high impact factor, which is a New England Journal of Medicine. And uh, there are two studies about CBD, in, especially in seizures, refractory seizures. Uh, one of them, it's in a syndrome called Lennox-Gastaut, which are uh, 
childs, like kids, just getting into convulsions and convulsions and convulsions. And treatment resistant too. Treatment so they're getting getting yeah. results with treatment resistant. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. And the other syndrome, which is kind of, they look like the same, it's called rabbit syndrome. And they also, it's like uh, they are seizures, over seizures and over seizures, and they're completely refractory to any, well, to some of medication, even sometimes to surgery. So, uh, the, these two studies, they compare different drugs like classical drugs, uh, anti-convulsory, anti um, antipsychotics, um, uh, for example, gabapentinoids or some other GABA receptors agonists. So they use CBD and they notice that um, the seizures uh, is improve a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they were less than mm -hmm. the usual. Uh, they made this statistical um, proofs you know, and definitely CBD was way better than the, the typical drugs. So as of that part of, uh, as of this, I would say the hard data information, the uh, evidence, evidence mm. so that the medical community opened more, a little bit his, mm. their minds. Open the mind, yeah. So uh, it's interesting because... Um, so you think the endocannabinoid system has a big part to play in future medicine? Absolutely, yeah. Mm. And there's way more research that has to be done with sure. that and... It's just fascinating that they kind of just ignored it, even though the science and the knowledge was out there since the '60s. You know. Sure. Yeah, I was I was uh, I would like to end up uh, saying about a drug that it's called Epidiolex. Epidiolex is a it's a commercial drug in the United States, which is only CBD. But um, CBD was approved by the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, for seizures. So I got to say that that's something really cool, man. That um, CBD can be approved by this by this agency. However, uh, CBD is the formula. I mean, is the is the molecule. Uh, what FDA did is that they only approve Epidiolex. So they've just isolated it. They've they've made it like profitable. Yeah. And then they've approved that thing. So they're the not saying that, that CBD is... is mm. Epidiolex mm. is the same as CBD, mm. but they just approve Epidiolex. Mm. And Epidiolex is a brand. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It, mm. it doesn't make sense. It's just Well, like, it does make sense because well, they've, they've got to make it profitable. There's no yeah. interest to them to make it no, no, just no, completely... I mean, scientifically, it doesn't mm. make sense. Yeah, of course. Com economically, it makes yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But commercially, <laughs> it does. Yeah, for sure. Sure. And there's a bunch of drugs like mm. that. They're, they're, they're for example... Um, um, Sativex, which is another uh, drug, is like a spray. It was created by Bayer, and uh, it has 50% of THC and 50% of CBD. It's been used for uh, it's been used for uh, multiple sclerosis, for example, pain, and so it's it's it has a good impact, for example, to release pain in those patients. We have uh, some other drugs like uh, Navalon, which is for uh, especially for um, vomits, you know, like mm -hmm. nausea, yeah, okay, nausea, especially yeah. after mm -hmm. chemotherapy, that's mm -hmm. one potential use. Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of potential yeah. use. With the, with the cannabinoids, like you said, even like, like, hun like hunger, like yeah, obviously when hunger. you smoke weed, you get the munchies, sure. which when a lot of people are going through cancer treatment and, and AIDS, they, lose, cancer. they lose their um, the desire for food, you know, so that can, sure. that can help massively to, to improve your diet and, so yeah, like you said, it's fascinating that the the cannabinoid system it provides us so many different functions within within the sort of neurological network. I wonder, Ben, how come do you think they can provide so many functions? 
Well, it, uh, man, I mean, you're the doctor. <laughs> well, it's, it's just, it fascinates me. I think it's... Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm interested in the question, like, cannabis has been called cannabis for how long? Um, and so cannabis has been called cannabis for a long time, but then they discovered that there's actually a cannabinoid system in the 60s that, uh, that functions and actually pr- produces and provides cannabinoids, like, into our system. So... It's just fascinating. I mean, a lot of people say, oh, I, I don't do drugs, I don't use drugs, but, you know, they'll drink alcohol, they'll, they'll uh, drink coffee, whatever. But our brain is actually, it's, it's kind of like this nuclear power plant of, of all these amazing sort of functions, like our, our brain is producing opiates, sure. our brain is producing, like, ephedrine, our, our brain is producing uh-huh. cannabinoids. Our, so there's actually these chemical reactions that are actually creating drugs and dissolving drugs every single day, you know, so I think the whole notion of, of the way that we view sort of science and our body, it, it kind of has to be turned on its head. It, it has to be reassessed. So it's not like there's this, the external world and then like the, 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 the internal world. It's actually like fascinatingly connected, you know, and, and the way our body reacts to things is especially to, to, to opiates, cannabinoids, you know, a, a whole swag of different things. It's really at the moment. I think it's a fascinating time that we're alive. Is that have finally, we, finally, like scientists are being having the opportunity to, to research this and, and start discovering and start kind of connecting the dots again and, and bringing it back together for, for for people to understand further and have like a, a more intimate and a, and a deeper understanding of of how our systems work and why sure. our systems work. And they're not leaving shit at the door, you know, like. Like it just makes no sense to leave a whole fucking cannabinoid system at the door and and deal with all the, all the other systems. It, it just makes no sense because if if you're trying to, if you're a doctor and you're trying to treat something and you're only getting nine tenths of the information or maybe eight tenths of the information and you don't have all of the information at your disposal, how are you going to do the best job for your for your for your patient? You know. Sure. So uh, one theory about um, how come they they. I mean, cannabinoid system is related with everything. Is that um, endocannabinoids, like I said before, an endamine and the two um, AG, acetylglycerol, uh, is that they are promiscuous. They can bind to different not only cannabinoids receptors. They can bind into opioid receptors. They can bind into dopamine receptors. They can bind into glutamate receptors. So they're very multi multifunctional. Exactly. That's one theory because, mm-hmm. like, there's. The, like fatty acid is all around our body, mm. so that's one theory. If they can bind to thermal receptors, which are the vanilloid receptors, uh, of course they can bind into nociceptors, which are the receptors for pain. So that's one part of uh, how come um, the, how come they they can release the pain. And but I know I know you were telling me about something sort of was quite interesting the other day about how they can actually bind to different sort of aspects of the brain. So one person, for example, uh, might be experiencing pain and they, they can sometimes bind to certain receptors and sometimes they won't. They'll bind to other receptors sure. depending on the individual too. So it's never like a guaranteed 100% this is going to yeah. work for this function. You know, it, it's a sort of trial and error type thing to see if it works for the person. And also like I, I was saying myself from personal experience, I, I remember when I was quite young and I used to smoke a bit of weed and sometimes I'd get really like, I'd really hyper, hyper concentrate on something, you know, it might be, 
I might have had some pain and it might have made the pain worse or I might have had a bad thought and it made the bad thought worse. So it's fascinating that the way that the, the, the neurological sort of network works and the cannabinoid system can actually, it can bind to certain aspects of, of the neurological network. So, I, you know, like I, I smoke a bit of pot now and, and I find that I get, you know, it, I, I get relaxed, I get creative. It helps me sort of just, if I get stressed out about, about life or the world, it, it, it kind of binds and I just feel a little more relaxed. And I understand the pain relief, you know, if I'm going to get a tattoo from Lily, she'll, you know, I'll take an edible and it'll help me take my mind off the pain while I'm, while I'm getting, you know, getting a tattoo. So it, it is very fascinating how it, how it does sort of serve a lot of functions. Sure. And, and it, I think it's important to also to acknowledge that it's not the magic bullet. It's not the thing that can like just fix everything and it's not oh, for no. everyone. There, there is people that like say THC, for example, if you have psychosis, it could help bring on and promote, you know, mental illness or schizophrenia yeah. and stuff. Yeah, so it is very important to acknowledge the the pros and the benefits, but also the fact that it's, it's not the magic bullet. It's just another chemical within a very, very complex sort of biological world that we live in. Definitely, yeah. Mm. Like you just said before, it's important to talk about that and also like like psychotic disorders, um, schizophrenia, some of the disorders, uh, they can... Uh, they can actually like um, trigger them somehow. Well, THC, but then you know, like I said, maybe CBD will help with that or help help you. But maybe higher doses, you know. Sure. A big thing is dosage as well. Like you said, if you if you take in, it's like if it's like if you drink, a, say, a beer, right? Like with THC, like if if you smoke weed, it's very hard to get a controlled dose. You take one hit, it's, it's pretty massive. Whereas Alcohol, you know, you need like five or six beers to be able to sort of control that that experience, or you know, maybe if you're younger, two or three, whatever. But you can sort of control it. Whereas with like THC and that, like you said, a lot of the available uh, products on the market are very high dose. They're super high dose. They're way too high, probably for for pain relief, and also for, the, for medicinal value. These market, um, these market, um, um, like these, I don't know, oils. Also, we have to take the the. It's important to notice that um, that's a drug. So drugs have uh, pharmacokinetics and uh, pharmacodynamics, which is the way how you introduce. Well, which is yeah. How if you, you like metabolize. take too much, if you take too much, then so, for example, your body can't you see, friend, metabolize it. That if you smoke, mm. then if you which goes ingest. straight, mm. then if you ingest, that goes mm. through your liver, and if you smoke, it goes just straight to your hand. Mm. So it might be different. The, 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 the metabolization is different too. Exactly. So you actually get a different chemical breakdown if you ingest it as That's opposed to I, smoking I, it. I, I, mm. I would like to, like, um, especially according mm. to the um, professionals of the health, to encourage this use because eventually if we start using them to provide them, eventually their regulatory laws, according like, like in the health system, they will, they will um, make this law for uh, providing uh, well-quality THC with a, like a, a dose. Right amount. Yeah. Right amount, exactly. Mm -hmm. Just like specification. Because yeah. like if you go and I was going to say, if you go and drink a bottle sure. of mezcal or if you go drink a bottle of tequila or if you go and drink a bottle of rum, you're going to be fucked up. You know what I mean? So if you go and, and you, you have a smoke of a product that's a, it's sure, what, 30, but it's 20% higher exactly. than what it's meant to be, of course you're going to have a, like a negative experience and then be like, 
fuck that. I'm, I'm never going to do that again as opposed to having like a controlled dose, sure, know, sure. which is important about... Which is uh, yeah. probably mm. in, the, in the past mm. uh, that was kind of happened. I, I got to say mm. about like psychotic, we were talking about psychotic disorders. I don't want to say that they're, 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 they're against, like it's really interesting this part. For example, um, the psychoactives... Uh, psychoactive, I mean, some different substances can help into psychotic uh, disorders. Mm. For example, the, one of the reasons, well, one of the uh, medical use of LSD, it was, it was actually it was a, it was a drug by the pharmaceutical Sandus. Mm -hmm. it, its name was Delacid. So Delacid in the 30s, well, now it was 40s or 50s. It was used uh, as an anti antipsychotic. Well, antipsychotic. Yeah. I wouldn't say. Uh, I don't know if it's exactly antipsychotic, but it was mm. used for because um, its mechanism mm. is not antipsychotic. Well, actually, one, once again, like it comes down to dosage. Like, no, I, I have to say that I've taken you know high doses of LSD, and for for people at home, you know, I, I obviously you know I don't promote it or whatever. Like each to his own, and you know especially young people, you know, I think like if you're going to mess with shit, wait till you're older, wait till you're mature, wait till you have a good head on your shoulders because messing around with, with a lot of psychotics and stuff while you have a developing mind is really important um, to, to, yeah, just let your fucking brain develop. Wait till you're a bit older before you start sure. messing with shit because, you know, th those, those drugs can have a very major effect on a developing mind as well. Sure. You know, but but my point is, is that microdosing once again, having one beer as opposed to having six or ten beers is a very different experience, and it's the same with with a lot of uh, those things too. Like microdosing something, like if if you do have say psychosis or schizophrenia, microdosing something can be very different to to taking a very high dose, and a, a lot of those the, the chemical structures are very strong. So, I know. Mm. Just had to actually uh, press stop. We just had the bell for the for the bingo. We had to run some rubbish out. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, apologise for that. I was probably we were probably <laughs> getting a, I was getting a bit wild with what I was saying anyway, really. But we, we were talking about the use of LSD for psychosis. So sometimes actually psychotics can assist with um, with, with psychosis. Is that what you were saying? The main reason uh, why Albert Hoffman will he discovered LSD it was accidentally. He was working with some ergotamine. The it was actually working with ergotamine, which is the ergotamine is the is a structure, a molecular structure, which is derived from a fungus, the fungus of the centeno. I don't know how how to say that. I think it's wheat. It's like a sort of wheat. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a wheat. And the name of this fungus or this mushroom or this fungus is it's called Claviceps purpurea. And uh, it produced like uh, this kind of uh, ergotamine um, family. So ergotamine family has this uh, similar structure to serotonin. So he was um, working with this serotonin release. And yeah. like, uh, yeah, like uh, especially for uh, drugs related for the bleeding birth, during birth, you know? So, Cause so I guess just quickly, um, like even just explaining serotonin, so, so just quickly, what, like, what is the function of serotonin for, for, whoa, whoa, whoa. for the layman? A, that's a nice question. That's mm. a right, cool question. Serotonin has a bunch of uh, functions. It has a function on the on the digestive uh, system, bowel, uh, intestines. But uh, we're talking about uh, uh, central functions, like functions in the in the nervous system. So eventually, like the 
serotonin it has uh, these functions about related uh, it's it's related with so many things but it has to do a lot with the mood with you mood know, yeah so yeah, it's a lot to do with happiness yeah exactly so right. like if you're exercising you get serotonin it makes you feel good if you go for a walk or if you climb a mountain or something sure. you get a serotonin so you feel serotonin, good the mm. dopamine mm. some other but um serotonin is related uh there are different receptors for serotonin actually there are there are five of them so the main receptor related with the psychoactive substance that there are eventually and the amygdala there on the uh, limbic, limbic system, uh, you know, and different nucleus of hypothalamus as well, and also cortex uh, are these receptors known as uh, uh, 5-HT2A, which means the real uh, molecular name or the, the chemical name of serotonin, it's a uh, 5-hydroxytryptamine. Uh, I gotta say that the tryptamine is just uh, um, chemical structures for these uh, substances. Tryptamines, uh, I would I would name some of them. Some of them could be uh, dimethyl tryptamine, which is DMT. Some of them could be bufotine, which is 5-OH dimethyl tryptamine. Some of them could be psilocybine, uh, psilocybine, uh, biozine. Also, we can find uh, uh, different uh, tryptamines come from an amino acid called tryptophan. So, uh, for example, bananas has a lot of tryptophan. So, so we can produce um, tryptamines as of uh, bananas, for example, because it has this amino acid especially. So these, these uh, molecules, the tryptamines, namenglobin, serotonin, uh, they, they known to be psychoactive when they bind to this receptor, mm -hmm. the 5-HT2A which is mainly in the in, in the limbic system. So tell me this, is this um, I, I know there's a bit of conflict about it, but I know you have a certain opinion about it. So does, does dimethyltryptamine, DMT, is it naturally occurring in our body or isn't it? Sure, definitely. That's, uh, it comes exactly, um, I don't remember exactly the, the steps, but mm. uh, the first step is uh, tryptophan, which is, uh, which is the amino acid that eventually it will become into DMT, and after DMT, it will become into serotonin eventually. I don't remember exactly. So when do we produce it? In like DMT, sleep at nighttime? Yeah. Maybe it help with our dreaming. And, uh, and that yeah, sort of the pineal gland. Mm. It's uh, it's 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 been uh, some studies that um, it's it, it could be produced DMT especially there. In animal studies? Uh, uh no, even human oh, studies. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Of course, in animal studies, mm. but even human mm. studies. Uh, yeah, dimethyl uh, DMT. Uh, I have to say that it's like a really interesting molecule. So, what is what is the effect of, of DMT for it's an agonist of people who haven't heard receptors. of it? Yeah, it's an agonist of these receptors, mm. uh, the, the ones I talked before, especially the mm -hmm. the more psychoactive ones, because like like I said before, it depends on the serotonin function, depends on what receptor it binds to. It might bind into the bowels, or it might have another. Actually. The place where uh, more serotonin uh, it's created, it's in the bowel. It's in know? the bowel. Yeah. It's so in the a bowel. lot of serotonin gets created in the bowel. In the bowel, you know, like that. In, in your stomach, yeah. Stop, well, not yeah. exactly stomach. Well, your bowel is, yeah. It's yeah. Like, they're they're yeah. called antichromatine cells. Mm. Like the main portion of receptors, it's, uh, sorry, the, the, the main uh, manufacturer, of, the producer uh, of it. Serotonin yeah. is in the bowel. At the bowel. However, mm. The main place where we produce serotonin in our brain, they're called the nucleus of the rata, mm -hmm. which are there in the trunk of uh, 
of the well it's not the trunk it's a stem so it's like in the back like, like near your neck sort of thing exactly sort mm. of your neck mm. so the so the serotonin that we Producing neurologically, exactly, mm. is in the stem. And so the stuff we produce in our in our bowel okay. acts as a function on our stomach and in that system of in our. Sorry, sorry. Well, I, I know you said just before that serotonin has many functions, and it also um, it has the effect in, in our stomach and, and in our um, intestine digestive system. Digestive system. So it actually has a lot of function in there too. So the one we produce in our bowel affects the digestive system exactly. and then the one that affects us neurologically is in the nucleus of the brain. the nucleus so it's sort of around your neck in that kind of fight sure. in that kind of fight or flight sure. kind of function of the brain there are seven nucleus actually and it's really interesting because also serotonin has to do with the pain uh, modulation especially the descending um pathway of pain modulation is is it could be uh, it could, it's reinforced by serotonin and norepinephrine, due to due to neurotransmitters. But I will uh, I was telling that um what about LSD? Mm. It's an interesting uh, it's an interesting history because um, um Albert Hoffman was 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 accidentally uh, um, discovered somehow or invented. So so he after that. Sandoz, which was a pharmacy and still Sandoz, you can there's a bunch of drugs from Sandoz um, from Switzerland. Um, they create the LSD. Uh, it actually the real name is uh, 50, sorry, it's 25 uh, diethylamine of acid lysergic. LSD, the, the letters of the LSD, uh, they're just the letters because they're in German. Mm. You know mm. the language German, so mm. so that's the abbreviation of the German uh, mm. the atomic of uh, acid lysergic. So it, it's the real name is 25 because it was the 25 com, uh, component that Hoffman uh, um, experiment. So tell me, do do you recall the story about when he first um, tested it? Do you, do you remember that well, story? sure. And his experience. Well, uh, I. You wish to I wasn't there. Do you wish to elaborate on, on what I you wasn't heard? there, but I read it. In I just, I just think, I just find it fascinating. I think it's a fascinating story that this guy yeah. discovered this uh, incredibly powerful uh, chemical that, like, yeah, can yeah. really just give itself. you some, <laughs> some incredible experiences. And, and what this scientist, what this guy was kind of thinking at the time, and, and where it led him in in his future, just in his future discoveries. And sure. I feel as though I kind of just. It, it led him on a completely different path scientifically. He was working with this uh, substance, with this fungus, Clavisips purpuri, and uh, he accidentally uh, got absorbed by their hand. So the, what, the, what, I've, what I've read is that um, the experience was that uh, he was uh, um, riding his bike back to his house and uh, he was just a uh, distortion of the, the reality and, you know, like all acid kind of and like colorful. And then so, the so other what, day, what would you say the experience of like, um, this type of, it's a psychotic, right? Tryptamines? Yeah, yeah. Is it a psychotic? Is that what it's called? Is that what it falls under? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, psychotic, no. The, no. Uh, psychotic is a, mm. the psych, it's... It's, it's psychoactive. Psychoactive. Active, which, sure. which means it activates your psychology. It's, uh, which mm. means, psycho, mm. when I say psychoactive, it means that it can get you somehow high. Yeah. You know, yeah, it can. Yeah. It can mm. uh, psychoactive. It's it, not psychotic. Because psychotic is, is different. Like a psychotic sure. episode is if you, exactly. maybe if you go too far and then you have the fear of. Well, mm. the psychotic means more, uh, it's to lose the perception of the reality. reality. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. So psychoactive mm. 
could be any drug mm. that I'm or any plant, any peel, whatever that can disturb the the the, re, the reality. Okay. You know? So so yeah, activate the reality. Exactly. You mm. can appreciate it differently. Mm. So uh, what I was talking is that the, for example, rat models of psychosis, they are mediated by some other receptor, which is the n methylenduxane aspartate, which is the n n MDA uh, receptor, which is for glutamate. Glutamate is the most um, is is the neurotransmitter that um, it's excitatory. So, for example, if you want to induce a mouse into uh, into a psychotic um, uh, or mind, sorry, into a psychotic uh, um, episode, episode mm. you use ketamine. For okay. example, ketamine. Mm. What it does is that it blocks these receptors. So the psychosis it could be related with different with different receptors it mm. could be related with glutamate receptors mm. uh, it can be related with dopamine receptors mm. it can be related with serotonin but you can definitely you can definitely actually kick, you can definitely kick somebody into a psychosis by using sure. a psychoactive definitely. drug actually mm. the the antipsychotics what they do is that they block these receptors they block dopamine and they block um the, Serotonin receptors. Okay. So yeah, that's the mainly uh, of uh, psychotic phenotypes mm. and and also um, butyrophenones. So that's the mainly mechanisms. But I was trying to say this that uh, LZ, uh, in my opinion, it was such a really interesting drug. Uh, it was actually uh, uh, it was a pharmaceutical drug called uh, Delacid. You can find it like in a leak to leaks, and it was used at the beginning in Switzerland for treating uh, people with schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I haven't found a lot of information like in the 50s, mm. 60s, about if it works or not. But I gotta say that when, um, well, obviously eventually it was legalized because of the uh, United States, especially uh, Nixon mm. and all the regulatory worldwide um, about, the, about drugs. So it was illegal. It was not created anymore. So uh, what happened is that um, there are some guys like Timothy Larry. There's some some other guys that try to use LSD as well as a, as more psychological and some mm. some therapeutical. Which use. is which is sort of what's coming back now. Especially you hear a lot about use of um, cubensis like uh, mushrooms. Oh my God, that's for, another for word. PTSD sure. and for, for uh, um, quitting smoking, man. Yeah, like PTSD. Ibogaine as well. So I, I think what they're finding now is we're kind of getting, it's like a slingshot. We're kind of getting slingshotted into 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 experience now. It, it's, it's, it, there's 30 or 40 years there where just nothing happened. There was no science. There was no new discoveries. It's like all these discoveries were made and then what they happens with them, the put it on the shelf. System. They just put it on the shelf. Exactly. And now it's coming back off the shelf and they're finding that I would people with too. depression, they're, they're, they're having a lot of, Sort of joy, and they're and they're getting a lot of benefits from a lot of these psychoactive drugs because they can take you from your reality, mm -hmm. somehow remove you, reinterpret your reality, help you to reinterpret, and and actually they get you out somehow. And sometimes mm. uh, I would like to finish like mm. a little bit saying about LSD. Yeah, Probably sorry, we can yeah. just yeah, yeah. to the mushroom, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is really interesting. That yeah. LSD, uh, just a curious uh, curious information. When Albert Hoffman passed away around 10 years ago uh, uh, in Switzerland, in honor to him, they opened 
uh, this, this story is for uh, a game. Mm. They, 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 they gave the chance mm. for using LZ as, as a schizophrenia. Oh, well, just for like one use, or they no, actually. They just, opened yeah, the, wow. they opened to, the, to try, the, the trials. They have the trials. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Which mm. is, is really cool. Mm. So, um, I'm I'm glad to hear that. I was glad when I read that uh, mm. that they use this this medication because mm. eventually it's a drug, man. Mm. Antipsychotic are drugs. Everything mm. that we got is drug. Mm. Drug um, is something external to you. Mm. I mean, as an interpretation of a pharmacological mm. uh, pill. However, in the other side, about for example, uh, psilocybin. What what's up with the psilocybin? Psilocybin is really interesting. Like I said before, it's a tryptamine as well. Actually, the chemical name of the psilocybin is an X, is uh, phosphorloxydimethyltryptamine. Mm -hmm. So it's dimethyltryptamine, is DMT it's part of the with two phosphorus. Mm -hmm. So psilocybin is... So, so let's just take a quick step back. Like, say, DMT, for example, is... It, it, what, what's the, like, the chemical components of it? So it's like, like hydrogen, oxygen... Phosphate, carbon. It's an alkaloid. Uh, yeah, and something else. It's, it's one an alkaloid. Thing. So it's definitely it's mm. uh, it's composed by hydrogen, oxygen. Well, not oxygen. Ox it's it's more composed by nitrogen, carbon. Mm. Mm. Yeah, like mainly. What it's is just fascinating that everything gets it, it all pretty much comes back to the, the chemical breakdown is like oxygen, um, carbon. We're made hydrogen, of hydrogen. Just like a whole bunch of cut like atoms that are, that are on their own. Like oxygen, for example. We obviously need oxygen. That we obviously need, you know, and and just like a, a chemical reinterpretation of that can just give you such a unique experience. You sure. know, can really, like you said, change your perspective on life. You know, in, in one experience, like there's nothing. And how come do we have receptors, especially because these receptors mm. are really specialized mm. for these plants? Mm. Why? Why? Well, I think that's that actually interests me. That's an interesting question you just asked. And there is the the theory of the stone date, which is that we came out of Africa um, sixty thousand plus years ago, and we followed the big mammals out. We followed a lot of the big mammals out of Africa. A lot of those big mammals obviously shit. A lot of like cubensis and mushrooms grow in 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 the shit of these big mammals. And yeah, as humans, we were absolutely curious. <laughs> yeah, we were curious and we were picking things. And so, yeah, I think the last hundred years, we've kind of turned our back on psychoactive drugs. And what I want to jump into really soon is like the plants of the Americas, because there's a, there's a long and, and dated history of thousands sure. of years of, of psychoactive of products, of, well, no, psychoactive plants rather. Um, so yeah, I just feel as though the last hundred, couple hundred years, We've kind of turned our back on it and we've, we've moved more towards specific things that are legal, alcohol, tobacco, certain drugs that are, that are, that are kosher, that are culturally kosher, and other drugs that, that people sort of frown upon or they turn their back on and say, oh, no, that's a, that's, a, that's a bad drug because it's illegal. Whereas, like you said, there's receptors in our brain that, that are essentially designed to receive these things that have potentially been receiving... Uh, uh, psychoactive properties, mushrooms, um, or, or you name it, depending on what part of the world you're in, uh, for a very, very long time. Sure. So uh, yeah, that's a that's a theory. However, I also think that um, it's uh, it's really interesting, and um, even mammals share these receptors with us. So I wonder if sometimes there are so many plants that because these. This is structured like tryptamines, phenylethylamines, cannabinoids, opioids. 
there, there, there's some chemical structures. So a lot of plants have them. DMT, for example, you can find DMT in some, everything. Every plant, mm -hmm. like a lot of plants. So I wonder how come deer love eating, eating, you know, these plants. But we metabolize them, right? Like when when we ingest DMT, we metabolize it, so we don't have the sure. psychoactive effect of it. Yeah, it's we, only when you when you smoke DMT that you can get it straight into your into your bloodstream without your like your your stomach essentially breaking it down because if you like like you said there's DMT in a lot of shit so if we were if we were um, consuming if that DMT was in fact affecting us by the, by metabolizing it by eating it we'd constantly be high so i feel as though our body yeah created a way to like okay i'm going to stop doing that because there's no point, there's no function if the human is always high, like evolutionary, all of a sudden they're going to get eaten by the tiger or whatever, you know. Probably we just would be really bullshitted. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We wouldn't have made it through evolution because we would have been too busy um, exploring. Probably people or cultures that are more spiritual, they might have a genius lack of these molecules that used to uh, destroy these, these molecules. Uh, these molecules are well known. They mm. call uh, monoamine oxidase system. Uh, it's they call MAO system and the COM system, catecholamine uh, monoamine oxidase system. They they're in charge to destroy serotonin and also dopamine and also. Mm. And not so they break everything down. You were saying about exactly. the cannabinoids before. Exactly. And so like, it's a like thing like that actually muscle. breaks stuff down to, a, to help us continue functioning. It's a balance, mm. you know. Yeah. So probably I would say that I'm. For example, um, even in my like in the past in, in the pre-Hispanic uh, cultures, they were really into spiritual situation, and they were like these have these ideas different than religion. If, if we see like theological, like genetic, probably they might have something different, and mm. the interpretation also has to do with the cosmovision mm. in that moment. Mm. But uh, it's well known that there are mm. some people, and there's some. There are some people around the world that have uh, deficits of some of these molecules. Okay. So they can get uh, really sensitive to even us. Mm. It's different if you have a DMT and even if I have DMT, mm. it's called uh, um, idiosyncratic reactions. Everybody reacts differently. Absolutely. And it has to do with this gene genetic. Uh, genetic. Yeah, genetics. experience. Like experience. If, if this, uh, the perfect example is the indigenous culture, the people of Australia, they were never exposed to alcohol. So for 80 plus thousand years, they've been living in Australia and they never consumed alcohol. When the white man arrived, they the white man bought alcohol with him. And so, you know, from from never having something to, to then having it, yeah, like it became a big problem and it still is a big problem because it was never around before. So, you know, there's addiction, there's, there's um, you know, so, yeah, like you said, I mean, the white man's probably been consuming alcohol for thousands of years, you know. So if you if you introduce something that's like this brand new thing, for example, Albert Hoffman introduces LSD, the government freaks out and they're like, oh, my God, this is crazy, you know. But ultimately, if you control it, you introduce it and, you know, I think it's funny. Like The thing that fascinates me about the whole cultural idea behind drugs is, I mean, the Republican or like the, um, you know, the, the notion of freedom, like freedom, like freedom of corporations, lack of rules, r removal of, of regulation, that, that notion should kind of also support the notion of like 
the freedom of a human, an, ind an individual, to, to choose whether or what they want to consume a particular drug. So the regulation of, of things on, on a global scale, like it, I think people kind of cherry pick what they want to choose in, in yeah. politics and in ideals. It's like, oh, yeah, we believe that corporations should have the freedom to do whatever they want, but you as the individual, um, you don't have the choice to do what you want. You, you get regulated. You go to prison if you smoke weed, and it's just such a, yeah. it's just such a juxtaposition. It's just such a weird weird world that we're living in, you know, where, where the individual human choice is kind of put on the back burner for, you know, profiteering, making money, finding things that they can sell and that have, you know, a function that is is equitable or saleable. Sure. It blows my mind, you know. Sure, 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 sure. But yeah, sorry, man, I, I tend to get off topic. So, yeah, you started talking about the plants of the Americas. So let's just have a chat about ayahuasca. I know that you have some knowledge and some experience of that. So um, where is that plant from and, and what can you sort of tell me about ayahuasca? Which I'll just say very quickly, I know that ayahuasca is, it's a combination of two plants that sure. actually lets your, your body metabolize DMT um, and ingest it and have that experience for like, you know, maybe a 10-hour experience as opposed to if you smoke DMT, it's a very brief and a very short experience. And I know it's very popular now, a lot of people talk about it, so... What's your sort of knowledge of it? Well, my first impression of uh, ayahuasca is that, um, uh, like you just said before, it's a really old uh, tradition in the some uh, native culture from Amazon. So in the Amazon, you can find uh, especially the two ingredients, which are two plants, like you just said before. The first one is uh, Banixterosis capi. Banixterosis capi has this compound kind named harmaline. Harmaline, what it does is that it inhibits, inhibits the, the, the COMT and the MAO system. COMT and MAO system are the system, like we just said before, to in charge to destroy uh, serotonin, dopamine, and norepinephrine and epinephrine. So what it does, the banexterosis copy, is that it inhibits this system. Inhibits it, yeah. And the other plant is Chacruna viridis. Chacruna viridis, um, it, the main active, is the main, actually, is the, is the main plant who has DMT. It contains DM, DMT, dimethyltryptamine. So the mixture of these two, it's a powerful situation because uh, you will have a lot of DMT available in your bloodstream and there's no molecules that can destroy it because it's in, inhibited by the banyxterosis copy, like I said before. So for me, in my first opinion, well, in my, my first like opinion, when I noticed about this, it was like, wow, that's amazing. How come native uh, cultures know that? Yeah, like how did they figure that out? How, how did, did they figure out how to join these two plants together to create this experience? Right. And so, so long time ago, I mean, we're talking about 2000, uh, 2000 years ago. They, it's been ethnological, um, uh, ethnological uh, proofs that they use ayahuasca since then. Uh, I gotta say that ayahuasca, um, it's it's more related into um, into Peruvian. But for example, if you go to the Colombian Amazonia, they call it jaje. So they, it has different different names according to the. It has different names according to the place. Mm -hmm. So, uh, for example, if you go also to um, to the, it's called different. You can find it also as a capi, capi. They call it um, because of the banexterosis capi. They call it in some places in Bolivia. So, for me, it's uh, really interesting. So, I gotta say that um, uh, there are a lot of cultures that still use, and uh, they use it as 
it's really important to say that the native cultures usually didn't use as a recreative uh it's not recreational not at all actually used for uh for uh, ceremonies just only mm. and uh it's a really powerful drug it's a really powerful visionary hallucinogenic and also it's oniric because it gets you like into a, a, like a deep dream so uh What's the clinical importance in my case for this? Um, I gotta say that the once when 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 I was studying uh, my psychiatric um, classes, I talked to this uh, psychoanalyst and he said that, uh, yeah, ayahuasca is fine, DMT is fine. The thing that ayahuasca does is that it uh, takes out your subconscious really hard. It just lets you like really in front of you. That's so it, you. It'll, it'll bring your subconscious into the Fast. foreground. So normally in, in waking life, your subconscious is there in the background. All of a sudden, your subconscious is actually running the show. And the thing is that our psychoanalysts do that um, within a couple of years. You know, it's uh, like mm. a long therapy. Mm. So the thing is that... Self-awareness. Exactly. Mm. He, he told me, well, your self-awareness is acute. And sometimes you cannot hold that. And it might get you into a psychotic somehow. You, you get you get afraid of you, <laughs> you know? You get afraid of uh, your experience and some different uh, situations. So that could be a clinical use. Also clinical use, I've known there is some uh, clinics for uh, alcohol, for opioids, uh, uh, for opioid so, abuse. So substance abuse, sure. addiction, it's very helpful. Exactly. I think that there's like a common theme that's forming. I mean, there's a bunch of different plant medicines that seem to be getting used for um, and, uh, a lot of like contemporary clinical diseases, exactly. ibogaine, ibogaine, mushrooms, ayahuasca. Ibogaine for uh, so these plant medicines that have been missing from our from our from our culture for the last hundred years. But prior to that, I think people were and they, using and freak, they more frequently. They, they, they could be really effective. I think so, man. They, they could be really effective. The it, thing is that um, mm. we might not be uh, provider. We might not have still the information how to use them. We have the uh, the culture of a native use uh, tradition, and uh, uh, unfortunately, most of that tradition is it's it's uh, is not written. It's talk. Mm. You know, it's, it's heritage. Mm. It's very it's, it's mm. verbal tradition. Mm. And definitely, they they know how to use them. Mm. Uh, you know, a maracame, a taita, like the like what they call shaman. Uh, they they really have this a lot of uh, knowledge about how to use these plants. So. Um, I, I believe that, that there are so many drugs, especially for herbal ayahuasca. I gotta say that it's not only these two plants. Ayahuasca, uh, they 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 add a lot of plants. I, I've read in some books that they can add some plants that make you trip to see, so you can appreciate it on red. Or uh, they add some other plants that you can appreciate it on blue. You know that they give you like additives mm. according to the ceremony. Mm. So actually, the 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 native well the the traditional is to have a tobacco tea. You have to prepare a lot to receive because it's really it's a it's holy. You know, it's holy for them. So it's a ceremony. It's a ceremony. It's not, it's not just. I think as um, the Western world, we 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 take drugs and we take as soon as we talk about drugs, we talk about recreational use. Sure. We talk about partying, we talk about having a good time. Whereas what you're talking about is ceremonial. It's about tradition. It's about, it's, a, it's, a, it's more spirituality. Absolutely. It's more of a, a, far, a far deeper and a, and, a, and a more meaningful purpose. And it, and it makes really sense because for us, we could interpret it as a psychotic state. But for them, 
is as a creative state. It's a really important a creative moment. State. It's a creative thing, mm. and it makes a lot of sense. Mm. Imagine there's some tribes in Amazon that they just have their own cosmovision, and probably they might not have contact still with the, the Western civilization somehow. So they, it's completely um, different, mm. you know. Well, I think um, for me and my experience from psychoactives is the removal of myself from the rest of the planet. So what I mean by that is when I've done any kind of psychoactive, it's connected me to my reality. It's made me feel a part of the world. It's made me feel a part of the universe. And I feel like in Western culture and civilization, there's this real separatism. It's like me versus the world. It's me proving myself. It's me having material uh, existence, having the house, having the car, having the TV, having the nice shit. And I think the the psychoactive kind of tends to humble you. It brings you back down to earth and reminds you that the oxygen that you're breathing is the same oxygen that the bird's breathing. It's the same oxygen that the your fellow humans are breathing. And, and so there's a, a, a connectivity that I think is missing from Western culture that I believe we, that, we, that can help us as, as humans to, to give us a, a more sustainable outlook, to give us a better perspective on our future, to, to give us a, a, a better notion of how we can live in symbiosis with, with our reality. You know, you, it doesn't take, you don't have to look too far to see the, the problems or the failures of Western civilization. Now, don't get me wrong, we're living better than we ever lived before in terms of electricity, you know, warmth, technology. Sure. But we also need to um, acknowledge our connectivity and, and our desire for to, to, to maintain biodiversity. You know, what makes Earth different to the moon? What makes Earth different to Saturn? What makes this planet different to the rest of the cosmos? And the answer to that is biodiversity. What makes this place different to everywhere else that we can see with a, with a telescope is the fact that there's so much different living biology here. So the, the, what, the human effect... Well, the human effect is that's that what we think. Well, within within our knowledge and within the realm of what we understand, because we gotta yeah. understand too that um, mm. our interpretation of this is that um, we are um, ethno, we we are um, anthropo, we like uh, we're how can I explain that? We think we're the the only ones, you know. Well, with, within the known universe, within what we think, you know. But I I think I, I don't want to get too far off off of the notion of that because. Because even within our anthropocentrist, anthropocentrist, yeah, even within our solar system and, and what we know, like it's a unique system. And I think as humans, we need to be conscious of the fact that we are connected to everything. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at bee colony collapse. Yeah. Just for example, bee colony collapse from um, neo insecticides. You know, the, the bee colonies are collapsing around the world. We need bees to to f- fucking create fruits. Fucking macadamias, like pretty much every fruit that we eat is created from bees, you know, it's a biodiversity that we live in. So my experience personally from, from psychoactives is, is bringing me back to that connectivity yeah. of, hey, we are connected and how hey, we do have to be sure. aware of what we're doing and how we're doing it and why we're doing it. And, you know, you, you even say yourself, the way that we live, you know, and, and are we wasting water? Are we wasting food? You know, what are we doing to, to as an individual 
to to try and just fucking tone it down a little bit, to stop wasting so much, to stop, you know, to, to re-perceive or, or look at the way that we want the world to work. And I think that's been the greatest benefit for me with psychoactives is to understand, okay, this is this is how I can do things better. And it's not like it's an external thing where it's everyone else's problem or that's the way the world is, so who gives a fuck sort of thing, I'm going to die soon and, you know, whatever. It's kind of an egotistical perspective. I think the, the alternative to that is, is okay, well, what can I do to change it? What, what can I do to talk about it? What can I do to influence it and look at it with different perspective? And I think that is what, you know, you name it, any, any tribe around the planet and any sort of indigenous culture, they live sustainably, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what we're failing now. And they live thousands of years. Thousands of years in with, I'm not going to say that they, they probably did send, like make some animals extinct and shit, but for, for the sure. most part, for sure. they live very sustainably and so there's a lot we can learn from those plant medicines, from those plant... From Permaculture. Mm-hmm. Permaculture, um, sustainable farming. Man, there's just so much that we can learn essentially from plants, you know. Sure. It's fascinating, dude. I think uh, the, the knowledge could be could be um, hiding these plants. <laughs> I think so, man. I think so. I hey, um, yeah. I'm going to pause this podcast. We've got to go pick uh, power up from the bus station, man. All right. So let's just pause it. Maybe we'll just we'll drop back in and finish it off when we okay, get back. Okay, but okay. let's just fucking pause it right here, man. Go, go pick your lady up from the bus station. That sounds good. We'll jump back in. <laughs> All right, bro. All right, so we're back. We just went to the train station and went and had some yummy tacos. That's what I love about Mexico City, man, is just you could take 20 steps and... Every restaurant is just amazing food. It's like my favorite. <laughs> it's my favorite city in the world, man. This place is... I'm glad to hear that. It's so... It's it's like the wilderness, you know. It's very raw. It's just such good food and it's just such a vibrant city. I think, you know, I was here for like five years ago and then I was here a couple of years ago. And every time I come here, I feel like it's slowly growing and developing and improving and changing but it's also got this real essence like an ancient essence to it as well so anyway we just got back had some yummy tacos and i mean this area it's civilizations have been in this area for thousands of years Teotihuacan, Teotihuacan. Um, it was um uh tenochtitlan yeah. so that was that was the main back in the day empire there was like, a big lake uh, known as texcoco lake and um it was it was a main. Uh, it was like the capital city of the Mexica Empire. So, yep. Uh, which is lately, well, these days, um, downtown. It used to be the 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 major temple. So it was like the main um, temple where the where the Mexicas used to gather and have some ceremonies. And also like the uh, Tlatuanis. Tlatuanis was the like the king, the representation, like the government for them. So, uh, yeah, it was in this in this city. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I did want to sort of touch on that too. I mean, I was just at the Museum of Anthropology yesterday and I've, I've been there a couple of times and that place just is mind-blowing with the with the artifacts and the, and the history and the information of the different areas. But um, especially in this area, um, I remember the last time, I, I, I couldn't find it this time, but there was a, a letter from the, from the Spanish... Uh, being written back to um, a letter being written home about the city 
the city and about how advanced how it, was it was and how amazing it was and how yeah. sustainable and how this guy felt like he was in the future, um, that they'd come to the future. And I, I, f- I think that, you know, a, a lot of the thing that um, destroyed a lot of that history was like influenza, you know. Influenza wiped out just so many people. Rarella. Rarella. Yeah. Yeah, it was different. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was just a like biological disease. Sure. A biological disease, and that kind of like you know it, it it put a hamper on you know. I I think that the Spanish would have had a, a probably a hard time trying to conquer uh, Mexico if it wasn't for the diseases and, mm-hmm. and the things that the Spanish brought with them, you know. And also mm-hmm. that they gather with um with some other um cultures, so different they, tribes to yeah, overtake the to take the main the one. Mm. It's a it's a it's a really uh, interesting like the the history of uh, pre-Hispanic cultures in Mexico, uh, but it's really there's so much history about it. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. Mm. What I, and each area has its own history too. Exactly, and there are different uh, stories. But uh, for not uh, getting out of the point, uh, I would like to um, first of all try to see as uh, the culture, especially in the Mesoamerica and America, Central America, like these cultures. Uh, according to the psychoactive um, talk we are having in this moment, uh, it's not that it's psychoactive. This talk, but of the psychoactive mm. substance. Mm. Uh, these cultures uh, have a, a lot of uh, psychoactive uh, use. You know, like plants, like mushrooms, even the, even some. You know, the pulque. The pulque was like a preparation out of alcohol uh, that comes from the maguey. So it's like an agave, similar sure. to uh, like what mezcal is now no, isolated no, no, from. No. It's completely different. It's mm. called. It actually comes from the aguamiel, the aguamiel. So um, there was like a bunch of histories of uh, how come the the pulque was made, but uh, it was especially made for a certain person. Not all the people can have use of it, you know. Like so, what I'm trying to explain is that the different uh, psychoactive uh, plants or beverage they used to have in the in these cultures that were related to ceremonies officially. And uh, and it's curious because a lot of uh, American cultures, they use these plants for... for recreation. For, not recreation, uh, basically more for connecting the, their spiritual um, side into... Uh, yeah, I guess I mean, yeah, I'm referring more to like contemporary use of, of such things. Is, I would think you know, you talk about people recreation. going to Burning Man and taking mushrooms and it's more of a recreation or a Definitely, social use yeah. as opposed to um, like the ceremonial or traditional um, use to have more connectivity or sense of, of self, you know, or like a medicinal use. You sure. Know? And uh, you remember uh, a couple, well, like a week ago we were talking about the the different uh, persons, like we were talking about Sochipili, which is is in the Anthropology Museum, the statue. So Sochipili represents the, the senior of the flowers. So that was the interpretation for Spanish, but definitely uh, the the position where this guy is, is, is like in like a sort of a meditating. But you can see the meditation on the position of this statue is not only meditating on because of the of the mind, of course the mind, but also because of he, he might be intoxicated with some psychoactive plants, so that that what the uh, Sochi means uh, plant, Sochi means flowers, and Billy means uh, like the a person like Senor, you know. So the this representation of Sochi Billy means uh, the represent sorry the representation of uh, of the of the person or like a could be like a shaman that um is uh, 
who have the knowledge of all psychotic plants. Of the plants, yeah. The interpretation also mm. says that you can see like uh, peyote, uh, which is a Lophophora williamsi, which is a well, now, cacti. Well, now you pointed it out to me, you, like you have a lot of um, jewelry, bracelets, like there's a lot of fabrics, there's a lot of designs that are based around the peyote flower. And you kind of pointed it out to me and now I'm more conscious or aware of a lot of the, the creative beadwork and stuff. It's all around mm. Not, not, not as much as in the Wiralika culture. I think uh, the Mexica culture didn't. They used peyote. Actually, peyote it's a, it's a, it's a Nahuatl, um, it's a Nahuatl uh, word. But they, oh, they use it, but not as, as hard or as inclined as some other north. The cultures. northern, like the northern kind yeah, of up towards like where Wiralikas, like mm, Goras, like more uh, desert, like where San Luis Potosí is, exactly. and whereas different cultures, right? But um, mm. there were interchange mm. of plants, a lot of trading. Yeah, like a lot of There's, training. That's what I was exactly. reading. There was a lot, like a lot of the control of the certain areas was trading routes. Absolutely. And they were trading a lot of obsidian um, for 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 knives and even. They were, you know, using metals, like isolating metals. I saw a lot of, like, metal um, axes and knives and that sort of thing and, you know, shells. Pigments. Like, also. Um, pigments as well. Yeah. Dyes were important. So, yeah, a lot of that was trading. Uh, so I'm sure a lot birds, of those... Mm. Animals, a bunch of them. Yeah, trading animals so, and shit. Uh, yeah. that, uh, talking about Xochipilli, the representations, you can see also mushrooms. You can see uh, what we call that the name of uh, of different psychoactive plants. For example, I would I would say the Turbina coriambosia. That's a, the real name of this uh, of this of this plant. Turbina coriambosia is a it's a call it's a plant uh, known as Ololuiki. El Ololuiki, which is the like the name we used to have on, in this in this city, it's an it's an Nahuatl name. And it's really interesting because the ololiki, like the psychoactive substance of ololiki, it's a monoamide of lysergic acid, almost the same as LSD. LSD it has two molecules, so uh, ololiki it's one molecule, but it's this is really similar to the structure of acid of, of LSD. So that's the main uh, uh, psychoactive substance. And for example, uh, you can see another plant in the in the Xochipilli, which is the morning glory. Are you guys knowing the morning glory? Uh, have you ever heard about that? Oh man, I'm, I'm, I could know it as a different name, but yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like a flower or a plant It's a well, flower yeah. that it's also psychoactive. And uh, you can see the same flower uh, in the in Xochipilli. So it represents like the like the like a sort of shaman. I wouldn't say shaman. It was just a, a person who have the not a knowledge of the plants of the plants exactly, and not a particular plant, but like as much as similar to having a doctor today that has knowledge of all of the the different yeah. sort of uses. The shaman would have a similar knowledge and be able to impart. So I would mm. say that like there's a really uh, close relation between the cosmovision of the Native Americans into the everything. And that cosmovision is, of course, related to psychoactive. I mean, not only American cultures, I would say human. I mean, everybody, mm. if you go any society, you can find something that changes your perception of this, of this reality. We're talking about tobacco, we're talking about for example, um, Amanita muscaria, like another another uh, mushroom, which is in the Siberian. Well, 
Uh, actually, many Tamaskaris all around the world, but um, um, they're not as psychos as, as the ones that are Siberian. So you can see any culture. I, I, I don't find one culture that didn't have a psychopathic existence. I mean, Greeks used to have uh, cannabis. Uh, Greeks used to have wine. They used to have some um, some gods of uh, Venus for the vineyards. You know, every culture, every single culture used to have a, a related with some psychoactive substance. Mm, something so that's, that something that would sort of help you to perceive outside of what you know. Exactly. And yeah, I mean, I I even look at Hindu culture and I look at even the Buddhism and a lot of the gods that they created. And Man, even, Buddhism mm. is really related with opiates. I mean, mm. China was a, one of the first consumers of opiates, mm. just smoking opiate like, you know, also marijuana. Uh, there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of old books that uh, that they describe how they use um, for medical use marijuana in China like a long a long a long time ago. India, oh my God, India is full of medicine. You know, like they have their own context of so many plants and so many knowledge about it. I mean, I would even dare, and I'm pretty sure even I, I've never been in Australia, but I'm sure in Australia there must be a psychoactive substance that was used uh, for any uh, culture uh, settled in there. There must be, I'm well, pretty sure. Not that I know of, but it doesn't mean that there, there wasn't um, because a lot of like the indigenous culture of Australia sort of got wiped out. Before, but, um, I mean before. Yeah, but as far as I understand it, I mean, no. But I mean, it's probably the only one that, I can, that comes to mind that um, potentially didn't, you know. I wouldn't say mm. that, man. Mm. I, I just, mm. I just think you, mm. there's no the yeah. We just don't have the knowledge. We don't exactly. have the information. But I'm pretty mm. sure about mm. that. I yeah. Mean, even mm. man, altering the state of mind, it's it can be so easy that you just stop breathing, and and you can alter your state of mind. You mm. know. So uh, uh, definitely, there there might be something. Mm. Especially in Australia, man, mm. it's so big. There's so many mm. like ethnic. Uh, well, I would say the. Uh, I would say, like, uh, there's so many pharmacological plants, like plants unique species. Plants that only exist in mm, there. Mm -hmm, exactly. And not only plants, man. Uh, we were talking about animals. Mm. Animals produce psychoactive. For this, for example, the the, the toad. Mm. Have you ever heard about the 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 ceremony? Yeah, that, in the, that it uh, makes five MeO DMT. Exactly. A toad. Yeah. Well, that's in Mexico. That's in Mexico in the Sonora Desert. Mm -hmm. But there's one ceremony called a, a tambo. Cambo, it's a little frog in the Amazonia. And Cambo, uh, they, it's the same. It's, it's actually it's a little, small, green, beautiful frog. And this is really interesting. According to some uh, books I've read about ethnology, uh, the Cambo also produced DMT. But it produced DMT in like high, um, high um, concentrations. And also, which is, the, I would say that 5-OH, um, OHDMT is the highest, is the most potent drug uh, that you can find uh, psychoactive, according to serotonin, just in the in the world wild. Not mm -hmm. well, not I mean in the yeah, in, in like in natural, nature. yeah, natural yeah. in nature. Because yeah. the, the most potent is allazine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, okay, mm -hmm. so the, in nature is the most potent uh, agonist for well, it could be psychoactive for according to the serotonin system. So, for example, uh, it's called also bufotein. Bufotein because bufus is the is a name in Latin of the soap of the toad, which is in the north of uh, the Sonora Desert. Mm -hmm. But I was talking about the Amazon. So this little frog, it's called cambo. 
So what they do, like the shaman, if you want to go into a ceremony, this is really interesting because uh, if you're if you're interested in uh, going to a ceremony, it starts. Uh, they put like a little uh, with a little stick. They burn it and they burn your skin and they put like little points. Mm-hmm. So what they do after that, they take the frog and they stimulate the frog with another stick and they put the venom of the frog into those burning places. So it absorbs completely direct to the bloodstream. So it's a really potent ceremony. Usually you have to be uh, without eating something because you might uh, vomit, you might shit yourself, you might pee yourself, definitely. So it's like a really strong. So you can see in these places in Amazonia where they use the cambo, uh, like the, the, the shaman, like the, the high top shaman, you can see uh, that they're really strong because they have a lot of points. So they received, they resist so many points. For example, we that we are foreign to that, um, foreign years to that cultures, they might just point, put two points. And yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, but the, you can see people, mm-hmm. I've seen some photos with people having all around, mm-hmm. like Many. at least like 30 points. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they, all of them, it, it represents also like a, an experience, an experience mm-hmm. and like, a, like I, I could make it, you know. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's a really mm-hmm. powerful mm-hmm. drug. And also, um, also not only drug, it's a really powerful uh, stimulant for immune system. Oh, really? It's, it, it's, uh, it's, it's a, a stimulant really, for the mu- immune, immune system. system. Yeah. That's fascinating. So you, you mean like um, it, it like helps kickstart the immune system or strengthen the immune system? or Yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's it, interesting. It is encouraged the immune oh, system. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. So yeah, let, let's, um, I guess, jump back to the, the mushrooms because, I mean, even the the Western world was introduced to mushrooms from Oaxaca. Was it Maria Sabina? Maria Sabina, sure. Yeah, so I mean, she... La she, Sierra de Huautla. Sierra de Huautla. Mm-hmm. So wow. she kind of introduced mushrooms to like the Beatles and a whole swag of different people. So really, she, she introduced that, that kind of psychoactive too. Yeah. And, and like, I, I say that with... a t- with tongue-in-cheek a little bit because I'm sure that, I mean, we kind of look at everything as, as if it was sort of post-war, like 1920s, 1930s, 1940s, 50s, 60s, you know. I'm sure that people in in the Western world would would were doing mushrooms and, and having experiences, um, psychoactive experiences, but in like, like the, post-war, like the post-world kind of 50s, 60s culture, she was kind of like a uh, an icon. I wonder what happened 40 years after that, you know? Because <laughs> mm. like you said before the... Before that, you mean, yeah. After the 60s, oh, yeah. all it this... Sort of dropped off, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's subculture. There was a, lo- a lot of subculture. But just mm. a little, not as massive. It was yeah, nah, 60s. it dropped off, yeah, big time. Mm. Yeah, well, Maria Sabina, yeah, she's a really interesting... She was a really interesting uh, sacerdote. Sacerdotisa, I would say, and uh, uh, I, I would, it, I will give you like a, I've read this, and this is really interesting. And um, also uh, about culture, How, what was that? He used, she used to live at the Sierra de Huautla, Oaxaca. So she was, uh, she had like this. Um, she used to have different kind of mushrooms. Actually, uh, the we're gonna start about the mushroom. Okay. There's a different um, psychoactive mushrooms. The the ones that are um, psychoactive because of the 
serotonin-like uh, molecules that they produce, which is psilocin, biosin, and psilocin. So psilocin uh, phosphorylates and then it becomes into psilocin. Okay, so this this genre of mushrooms, which are, which are called psilocin, like cubensis, you know, psilocin mm -hmm. cubensis, mm -hmm. and uh, but Maria Savina used to use uh, a, used to use some psilocin masatecorum or psilocin mexicana. There were different mushrooms in that area of Oaxaca, and uh, what I found really interesting is that um, Albert Hoffman. He went himself mm -hmm. to visit Maria Savina, and because uh, he was really interested, he was really interested in, in ethnopharmacology and you know like ethnochemistry because he was an excellent chemistry. So uh, what Maria Savina, uh, she was she she gave the mushroom to Albert Hoffman, so so Albert Hoffman can take the mushroom to Switzerland to 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 his lab. And and study well discover the the main substance like the psychoactive substance. So Albert Hoffman could discover the psilocybin because of Maria Savina. Mm. And if we talk this this uh, this thing, imagine she she just she just like you just said before introduced not only to the Beatles, not only to Hoffman, not only to like like I don't know like big people. She introduced into science and into the human knowledge, because she she gave the you know like the object like what's this? What study this? So then Hoffman came back and he discovered the psilocybin and put it into a capsule. So Hoffman came back to Maria Savina and he said, "Hey, you should take this. The the mushroom is here. Uh, the 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 soul of the mushroom is here." Is here and Maria Sabina didn't believe he she couldn't believe that was like what the father that's a pill no she took it and after she took it he said you're right you you got the you got the soul into a pill mm. so what I found really interesting is that um she was a uh, scientific somehow she could she, she could she, she gave the mm. the material for she science it, yeah. and also mm. and also she contributes to science mm. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, she contributes and, and to, to creativity. Man. To like, creativity, she 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 pretty much um, contributes to, yeah. I mean, a, a huge chunk of that that development in um, in Western creativity in like the fifties and sixties. Sure, it was just a massive and development um, she was, creatively. She was really uh, she she really know about mushrooms. Uh, uh, there are different. Uh, well, it might be the same species, but most of them were psilocybin. Masatecorum, psilocybin, Mexicana, psilocybin, they were different. Uh, they call Masatecorum because they, they are Masatecos, the culture, you know? Uh, she was a Masateco culture. So, yeah, and it's been told that when the, it was not rainy, so mushroom didn't come out, she used to use up some plant named Escapastora. Escapastora is what we know now as Salvia Divinorum. So salvia. Yeah, she mm -hmm. also knew how to use salvia divinorum. Mm. Salvia divinorum is really interesting plant as well because it has a really interesting mechanism. Actually, its mechanism is blocking the glutamate receptors, same as ketamine. So salvia divinorum is like talking about triply. When you smoke it, it's like really fast. Your perception of time is completely distortion, and uh, but it's a really powerful plant as well. So you can find salvia divinorum so many places everywhere. all around yeah. everywhere yeah i think salvia you can get in australia i think people 
smoke it, but yeah, I believe it's a very, very strong. Very strong. It's very strong and very short lived. It's and you'll be somewhat uncomfortable too for, for some people. Yeah. So so yeah, I guess we just have a little a little um, chat about we had a little moment before about the cacti and that being more in the northern sort of areas, but also in southern areas, like you've have different you got your peyotes, but also San Juan, a variety of different cacti that are also psychoactive. Yep. And what's the main ingredient or the, the main psychoactive sure. in, in cacti? Uh, like we were talking before, the main ingredient for DMT, um, DMT, um, uh, male DMT or bufotein and the ecstasies, for example. Sorry. Um, it was related uh, to treatments, mm -hmm. which treatments are, are really similar to serotonin. So in the other side, we have phenylethylamines. Phenylethylamines, they really related to dopamine and norepinephrine and epinephrine as well. So these these uh, these three substances, which are neurotransmitter in the cell, they come from the tyrosine. Tyrosine is an amino acid that we can find in the different places, you know, different different uh, different food, or we create it by ourselves as well. So phenylethylamines, they they what they do into our bodies, they they stimulate some uh, receptors like dopamine. Dopamine, yeah. Exactly. So instead of serotonin, they're activating dopamine More receptors. More dopamine related and mm. also uh, norepinephrine re receptors as well. Mm. So that's why they are, that's why they are psychoactive. So phenylethylamines, phenylethylamines have this uh, big group of, of different uh, substances. And according to some mescaline, for example, mescaline is the main ingredient of uh, of the peyote. Mm. The peyote cactus, its real name is Lophophora williamsi. Lophophora williamsi is a small cacti, uh, which is, uh, which the, the real name is, like the native name, we radicals called it hikuri, the hikuri. And the hikuri, all the cosmovision, most of the cosmovision of the Wiradica culture is related into hikuri. They believe they're just the, the the like the steps of the deer of the blue deer who came from the water who came from the sea they believe that we were like fish and mm -hmm. then we just got our or like hands mm -hmm. and we just got out of the sea which it makes really sense probably we did it. i'm mm -hmm. pretty sure we did it like that mm -hmm. so eventually we were just chasing the uh, a blue deer and the and the steps of the deer they became into peyote in wirikuta wirikuta is a san luis potosi is it's a sacred place for them so mescaline, uh, I would say it's a phenylethylamine, uh, and the real the real name is uh, three four trimethoxyphenylethylamine. That's the real name of the mescaline. So what's 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 the good thing about mescaline? Mescaline is really close to ecstasy, to an enamethylamphetamine. It, effect, it affects the it's dopamine. Exactly. So it gives you a sense of like euphoria. It affects. Mm. It it it'll, it'll work with dopamine, but it also will work with serotonin, which is really interesting. That's why when you have ecstasy, or you might have a peyote as well, they're not the same, but they kind of look like the same. They have, might have a little bit of, of the same similarity. Similarity. Yeah, yeah. You have this empathy. Mm. So, for example, my, in my in my experience, when I have a, uh, for example, ecstasy, uh, you might have an empathy with person. But when you have peyote, you, you have a lot of empathy with nature, well, which is really interesting. You, mm -hmm. you, you feel like, oh my God, I'm, I'm so dependent of the nature. I'm so, uh, you start to, um, you start somehow to appreciate how beautiful it is. Mm -hmm. so the pathways in your brain, 
they're related to empathy. Yeah, mm. like serotonin, and dopamine, mm. and even more changes. Uh, like there, there's so many substances that, that can produce that. Mm. Also, norepinephrine. That's why you don't you can go to sleep because you're really awake. Norepinephrine has to do with the state of awake awareness. So, like you just said before, there 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 are some cactus that a lot of cactus have masculine, but Pejuri is a is a cactus who has more masculine ever. The second uh, uh, cactus who has masculine is uh, uh, Tricochecus pachanoi. Tricochecus pachanoi is a cactus that is from Peru. It's uh, it's called San Pedro. So the Tricochecus pachanoi it's another uh, cactus which contains a lot of masculine, not as much as Pejuri. So it's also being used by uh, by some uh, some native uh, uh, people in in. Peru, Bolivia, and some some other places there, and there are some other cactus that that produce a, a masculine enough. So what about masculine? Well, masculine is really interesting because um, I mean there there are many people who have uh have had this um experience with masculine like Aldous Huxley, and I gotta say it about tryptamines and about phenylethylamines. I I, I would like to uh, recognize the gorgeous work of uh, Alexander Shulhin. Alexander Shulkin, he was a chemistry, and her wife, uh, Anne Shulkin, who was a psychiatrist, they, uh, he was he was the guy that created a lot of amphetamines and a lot of, uh, of uh, tryptamines, and he, he, he had two books, Tikal, which means tryptamines I have loaned, and Pikal, uh, which means phenylethylamines I have known and love, you know? So he was an awesome guy. I mean, he, he discovered so many amphetamines. There's a great, um, actually, YouTube clip, um, a little YouTube clip with him Sasha. and his wife. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I'll, I'll actually link it to to the podcast so people can sort of jump on and have a look at that. But yeah, it is very interesting. Um, you know, these people that have just cut their own path. You know, especially um, a guy like him, it's Alexander Schultz. Is that what his name? Should he? Should him? Should him? Should him? But um, yeah, yeah, like guys like that, they just cut their own path, you know, and, and they were experimenting and, and, and messing around with stuff in that period of, of but, like but the war were, on drugs, you know. But they were experimenting scientifically. Scientifically, though, that's what Actually, I'm saying. Actually, their, their books, it's just uh, pure gold, I mean, because mm -hmm. uh, if you read this whole, it's like a dairy, but uh, with a scientific method, mm -hmm. which is really cool, man, because mm -hmm. lately uh, we are... More that we are more um we believe more the about science you know we 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 have we trust more science that's our that's our probably how we how we were how we were just um educated in this in this civilization so he was like really interested on and at the same time he 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 used to respect a lot the these cultures who mm. have the knowledge before. yeah so so yeah, that's an excellent book. I recommend you guys to to have a take a look. And lately, for example, there are many there are many trials that are using uh, ecstasy, like MDMA, or MDMA therapy or, for PTSD, for PTSD, yeah, and and, and depression, um, a lot of neurological problems as well. But like once again, I mean, grief is one of them. Ecstasy and, and MDMA has been used a lot. Um, for recreational and social use, you know. So I think it's it's cool that, you know, they're going back to like scientific trials and, and utilizing it for thera therapeutic functions 
treating people that have got uh, that have had negative experience in their lives and trauma and that sort of thing and and have been to war and and are dealing with with post traumatic stress and actually getting yeah good positive like- results man very good results so yeah it is awesome that we're we're sort of turning a corner as a society and beginning to engage and acknowledge a lot of the the plant-based medicines and sciences medicines that have been around for this literally pharma, thousands of years pharmacognia you know? pharmacognia is, uh, is like the branch of the pharmacology science that um uh try to identify like the main source of the drug so you have pharmacognia like the to subtract the to subtract the 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 material from the plant and convert it into a a, a, a drug mm. and not only plant i mean we're talking about animals as well yeah well i mean we're, we're talking we've, we've literally um talking about five plants like a cannabinoid for example the cannabinoid system we're talking about thc and cbd so there's two um, two of 200 two cannabinoids isolated out of five, 200 five out of one plant out yeah. of one plant so we've we've just spoken about five plants, and just the astounding. You know, we haven't even touched on ibogaine uh, from Africa, which ibogaine is another is really interesting as well. Yeah, another one that they're using to treat addiction, that they're using sure. to treat depression, and, 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 and actually uh, and, and opiate uh, use, like kratom as well. Mm-hmm. One from Indonesia that's a like a cough, a type of a coffee that that works on the opiate system as well. So there's just just in, in that little handful of, of plants that we're talking about, there's just a, a, almost like a, a world of, of, of information and of isolation and things that we need to look into and, and continue to develop as sure. you know as we get along. And that's not even talking about all the other botanicals like that. Yeah, and we have a big garden in Amazonia. We have a mm. we have a big garden in Mexico. I mean, uh, I would I would dare to say that Mexico is one of the country which has more psychoactive plants and has more because our, our ancients used to use them. <laughs> so we know more. I'm not saying, of course, Colombia has a bunch. Of course, Amazonia has a bunch. Of course, Africa has a bunch. But in Mexico, they would use. So the, the, there are some places you can find also that you can, you can see the, the tradition. And, the, and I re, I'm, I'm glad about that. I, I'm glad that I'm, our, our roots continue. Somehow, probably they must have been changed during this period of time. Of, I mean, we're talking about almost 600 years ago that it was introduced by uh, Europeans that came and changed everything. But um, but I'm, I'm I still uh, know some places that you can you can probably find a little bit more um, genuine of these um, of experience. these rituals of this experience. Mm. Obviously, they're mixed, um, but it's not bad at all. I mean. We also have to understand that that um, things have changed. Things it's changed. not six hundred years ago, exactly. And I think it's important that a lot of these psychoactive plants, and not just psychoactive plants. You know, I, I don't want to just sort of point the finger at that and speak only about that, because like these cultures, a variety of plants in each, in every place, have so many properties and so many yeah. benefits, and you know, sure. not, like not just that, like antioxidants and. Proteins and, and photogens and antibiotics and uh, like uh, chemotherapy, man. Yeah. Taxan, taxans, taxanos, 
cisplatino or the platinum, they come from plants, man. Well, even like um, you were saying about um, toxins from a snake, there was sure. a treatment from snake venom that, that treats... Um, Botrops. Botrops, for example, it's, uh, it's one of the most dangerous snake in Amazonia. Not because it's the most poisonous, it's because it's the one that uh, bites more people. It delivers the most so, venom. So what it happens is that, um, for example, uh, inhibitors of... Uh, uh, IECAS, it's the, the um, in English it would say the inhibitors of a convertier enzyme of a, of the aldosterone system. Uh, they're called IECAS, which is captopril and alapril. Uh, they would discover a well from from this snake because this snake, what it does is kills the the rat by by this venom. And this venom, what it does is that this block this enzyme. So the high hypotension. So the, the so it's like a, a muscle. It like freezes your muscles or or sort of stops your not your exactly muscles the or... muscles. What it does is that uh, it stops the sequences of uh, of a mechanisms that we mammals have for uh, for uh, adding well for aumenting your blood pressure. Mm -hmm. You know, for increasing your blood pressure. Yep. So it's a couple of uh, of enzymes mm. that eventually they will get into aldosterone. They will get into uh, getting more well, stop uh, going to making more uh, more more pee. So eventually, what they do it is that um, they create more. Um, it's a system, a aldosterone system. Yeah. So mm -hmm. what it does is that it blocks one one enzyme in that situation, which is a ICA, and uh, and when you block it, you will decrease the blood pressure. So you use it um, in the medical industry for. for sure. As an antithesis to to slow people like to whatever it is the, the cocktail of drugs that you use to sure. put someone under and that's part of that function. And for example, that drug uh, naloprene and captopril are used for uh, hypertensive uh, hypertensive. You know, like people mm -hmm. who have high blood, blood pressure. pressure. It'll help but, bring uh, the blood pressure down. Another example. So snake venom will help bring the blood pressure down. Sure, that's what. That's well, fucking wild, man. That's how they mm -hmm. discover that, yeah. that this blood this this mm -hmm. snake used to kill the rat because. Mm -hmm. Decreasing the blood pressure. Mm. So that's pharmacopnea. Mm. Another example I would say is uh, it's a uh, it's called uh, you remember this um uh, this it's monster of of a gila monster. You remember the gila monster? It's like a reptile which is in the Sonora Desert, like a gila monster. Oh, okay, like a like a big lizard sort of shit. Yeah, it's a lizard like, a big... like this big. Okay, yeah. It's nah. its real name is Eloderma. Yeah. Eloderma. It's a, it's a, it's a lizard. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. like a. Yeah, yeah. It's a monitor. Well, it's not a monitor, mm. but uh, yeah, it's a lizard that, that lives in the Sonora Desert. Mm. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So it has also venom. It's the only uh, lizard which is venomous, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, who yeah. has a venom. So this venom, uh, it's been used for people who has diabetes. Actually, there's a drug uh, that um, it, it was taken from the from the lizard. from the lizard yeah. of from the from the. The tongue, not the tongue, the, the you, saliva. The saliva, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. from the saliva. Wow. So the, what it does is that increase the it potentiates the insulin. Okay, so it like uh, so it like moderates your blood sugar or something. Exactly, it eventually yeah. do that. It's a it's 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 an agonist of mm -hmm. uh, incretins. Incretins are some sort of hormones that encourage insulin. So the the venom of the of this lizard mm. can uh, is also like is helpful for that treatment. Yeah, so that's fascinating, man. It's called mm. uh, ex excedentine, excedentine. It's another 
is a is a drug, you know. Mm. They're really expensive though, mm. but they, they come from the lizard. The lizard fucking saliva. Yeah. Peninsula is trip, a fungi. Yeah, like what is a fungi? Yeah. So everything yeah. really connected, man. I, it I, is, yeah. I mean, and the more that we, we, and that's what fascinates me about you, man, is like a lot of contemporary doctors, they'll look within the realms, within the bounds of, of what they've been told. But you've obviously done your homework. You've obviously looked outside of the realm of not just what you've been told at school, but you've done your own homework and, and you have a, a more of a holistic or a well-rounded sort of perspective on, you know, pharmacology, you know. Thank you. Um, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very impressed and mate, it's getting pretty late. I've really enjoyed having a chat with you. Thanks for sitting down with me and having a chat, man. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, man. And yeah, thanks for looking after me for the last week, man. Um, man. I've had a great time. I met your family. They were very welcoming. And um, yeah, to to end the story, I ended up getting a visa. I'm going back to the USA on Saturday. So I'm looking forward to going home and seeing the family. But I had a great time hanging out with you, man. I'll catch you in Australia soon. I look forward to it, bro. (laughs) Yeah, thank you, man. You're welcome. This is your house. Adios, amigo. (laughs) Ciao.